<sighs> All right. Episode 15, Hildy's Hot Takes. I uh, already recorded the entire episode. Decent episode. You know, I, I wasn't I wasn't too pumped about it, but, you know, it was, it was a good episode in my opinion. And computer dies when I'm literally at like 19 minutes, 15 seconds, like saying my last couple sentences and computer shits the bed on me and uh, the audio file was deleted. So here we are again. Hildy's Hot Takes episode 15. I get a blister on my fucking hand every single week. Another blister, another week, another week, another blister. It's from shooting pucks. And it's not even like I'm fucking, you know, bragging about me shooting so many pucks, you know, just in there grinding, grinding, shooting puck after puck after puck and just ripping them, you know, putting in the work in the off season, if any coaches are listening to this. But uh, no, it's, I shoot like 50 pucks and 50, not even 50 pucks. I'm like 25 pucks in. I can start feeling it. Like I take my glove off. I, I look at my hand and it's starting to get a little worn down. And then like 10 shots later, there's that always that one like shot that rips it open. And it's just like, fuck, and you take a couple more and you just go, no, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Like it's, it fuck it. This one hurts. Like I, after, was this eight, eighth week of the summer, I fucking have had literally like six or seven blisters on this hand, maybe more. And so there's, as you could imagine, there's a pretty big callus built up there. And I thought like this was the final one. I just built it up. I was shooting a little bit of pucks and nothing happened, like nothing crazy. And this morning I, you know, shot three or four buckets uh, and I actually was grinding this morning, fucking grinding. If any coaches are listening, but, uh, and it just ripped open near the end and fuck it hurts like right through the epidermis, right down to the hurts like fuckadermis. Uh, it's on my right hand. I can't even jerk off. Hopefully no coaches are listening to this now. I can't even jerk off. It hurts too much. So basically it's been like four days of jerking it, three days off or three days jerking it, four days off, depending on, you know, what day I'm shooting pucks and when my blisters are happening and I'm popping them and, and, they, and they're healing. It's not even that I'm popping them. So nobody says, Oh, you should not pop a blister. They're just ripping open and it, and it's just red raw skin right in my palm. I was doing freaking grinding. Okay. Coaches, you can start listening again. Now I was grinding in the gym this afternoon after I was shooting pucks this morning and I was doing um, plank holds with my feet on a stability ball and my hands on the BOSU ball. Not easy. Try it. Don't try it at home. Actually, at least warm up first, but, and the BOSU ball is like dusty, eh? Cause it's like on the ground. Like if it's not, if one side's not on the ground, then the other side's on the ground. So, I mean, there's going to be some particles on there and I'm putting this fresh raw blister trying to stabilize my entire body weight. And it's just, I, I didn't even know, like, it almost felt like I wasn't even doing any core because my fucking hand hurt so much. So that's all I was thinking about. So in a way it's a good thing, but I could have done without it to say the least blisters on the hand have got to be one of the most inconvenient inconveniences in the history of mankind other than wearing a mask, but we'll get to that soon. But 
you want to know what's fucking crazy is that there was a, a, a Canadian national election yesterday, like a legit election. And I totally forgot about it. And I didn't even know who won until like a couple hours ago when I was scrolling through Instagram, the fucking gangster premier, uh, Scott Moe of Saskatchewan had some, had some funny words to say, and I'll read them in a little bit, but Justin Trudeau right in the middle of the summer ending just goes a month ago, just goes, yep, we're going to have an election. I don't even know how politics in Canada work to the, to that full extent where the prime minister can just go, yeah, we're having an election whenever he wants, probably because he obviously knows he's going to win at that point. Otherwise, why would you call an election? And he goes, yeah, we're having an election. And then four weeks later, boom, election. And yeah, he won. So what the hell was that? I didn't even know it was going on until like 9 p.m. last night. I was finishing up the uh, Packer Lion football game, Monday Night Football. And my roommate comes in from work and he goes, who won the election? And I was like, oh, it's like 9 p.m. The election's over. Like probably the results were out at that time. He goes, who won the, who won the election? I go, oh. <laughs> I go, oh, there's a, there was an election today. Damn it. <laughs> like, I just totally forgot. And I know who won now, but I didn't know who won for the longest time. And I woke up in the morning, realized there was an election. I didn't even look because you know what? It doesn't matter who wins the election. It doesn't matter what political party is fucking spewing their bullshit into a microphone in front of a camera next. Like, you don't have to worry about it if you just don't want to. No matter what the fuck they're doing, they could be doing some dumb shit. Just turn your TV off, turn your phone off and go sit outside and, you know, fucking look at a tree for like 20 minutes while you listen to some music or something like get a hobby or do something, please, because I'm telling you, this stuff is fucking irrelevant to your life. And that might sound like it comes from a privileged standpoint. And I will acknowledge that there are some um, populations out there that maybe are more affected than I am in terms of the politics, but that's a very, very small percentage of the, of the country or the world, I believe. So if you disagree with that, let me know. I'd love to hear what you have to think on that. Um, but we're going to move on. Um, so Scott Moe, beauty premier. I, I don't know much about him, but I just know that, He's a pretty big beauty in terms of his like non uh, his the way he talks and um fuck I don't even know this guy at all I'm trying <laughs> I'm trying to make something up and say I know anything about this guy but I know absolutely nothing about this guy other than the fact that my brother said he liked him a few times and that's about it so here's what he fucking put on Instagram in a statement. I'm sure he tweeted it and I'm sure he said it as well. <laughs> but uh, Premier from Scott Moe. Statement from Premier Scott Moe. So Premier is like, I don't even know, like the governor of a state, I guess. That was the most pointless election in Canada's history, says Scott Moe. The Prime Minister, Prime Minister spent $600 million of taxpayers' dollars and five weeks further dividing the country to arrive at almost the same result as where we started. The time and money could have been spent working to address real issues facing Canadians, 
including properly funding Canada's chronically underfunded health system. Yeah, we should maybe get on that. Uh, working with provinces to incre- increase vaccinations rates and hardest reach communities and blah, 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 blah. And he said, that's what should happen now. And he's right. What I want to know is how Justin Trudeau just says, yeah, we're going to have an election. And then in five weeks, he spends $600 million doing what in five weeks? What do you, what, where's this money going? $600 million that didn't even vote. Holy fuck. Take me out to dinner first. What the hell is going on? Where is this money going? I don't even want to Google it because I know anywhere it's going to be preposterous. I mean, there's no way you can even justify spending that much money just to nothing happened. The exact same, we're exact with that. what Scott Mo said. We're in the exact same position as we were before. I just don't get it. Like, I don't know. I'm perplexed by it and it's pretty hilarious, but we'll move on. I'm going to be, I was a little too busy to even give a fuck about the election, even though I would have forgot about it either way, but I was busy figuring out what my Monday night football bet was going to be. I was stuck. I saw that the Packers were minus 11 and for you non-betting folk, uh, that just means that the Packers would start the game down 11 points and in order to win my bet that I placed in the Packers minus 11. The Packers would then have to win, obviously, by more than 11. So they won by 18, so my bet won. But anyway, I didn't know what the play was going to be. I was flip-flopping back and forth because between picking the lines or picking the Packers. On one hand, I didn't think that well, I thought that Jared Goff was a good quarterback, and I thought this new Dan Campbell held coach was going to maybe lock down their defense. So I just didn't see the Packers getting more than an 11-point spread against the Lions just because of Goff with his ability on uh, his side of the ball, and I was thinking the defense was going to hunker down. But then I saw this guy on Twitter, and this is how hilarious betting can be. I saw this guy on Twitter, Marty Mush. He's like a barstool betting guy and he i opened up my twitter and the very first tweet i saw at the very top was words can't explain how high i am on the packers today and i read that tweet and threw a bet in on the packers at right that very second and they come out of the gate fucking terrible actually not bad neither team would play defense whatsoever in the first half uh the first half basically took like an hour to play because it was just completion after completion and first down after first down, absolutely Swiss cheese on the defensive side of the ball. Like I think there was a total of three incompletions in between Rogers and Goff after the first half. And somehow the fucking lines were up three. And uh, for those non betting folk, basically that means that the Packers need to win by 14 or more in the second half. Okay. So I had the whole game to get a 11 point spread. Now I have another half game only to cover a 14 point spread. So basically my odds went down the fucking shitter after that. But I went outside, calmed myself down. I was getting a little heated. I calmed myself down. I got my feet on the ground. I was watching the sunset and doing some breathing techniques. And 
and one of those uh, breathing sp techniques specifically was uh, doing a big exhale and e inhaling a little bit of smoke. And after you exhale, you feel nice and good and calm and, and full of laughter after that. Um, so I was doing some breathing techniques outside. I came back inside and I got to give Aaron Rodgers credit. Fucking guy went to work. He went to work. And it was fun to watch. He was making nice throws and and reading the defense well. But I just love his pre-snap stuff. I mean, that's kind of what you love about all great quarterbacks. But And I think the good thing about that is their styles are very unique to one another in terms of like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. And, and now we're seeing Aaron Rodgers really become a master of, of the pre-snap um, fuckery. But uh, some of the times they did that um, – Aaron Rodgers noticed uh, a late substitution on, on the defense and a guy trying to run across the field and he sees that and they all of a sudden sprint up to the ball and hut the ball in literally 1.7 seconds and get an automatic 10 yards because the defense is fucking sleeping. And then even if they don't even get any 10, 10 yards or even if Aaron Rodgers throws a fucking interception, it doesn't matter because he knows they caught them with too many men on the field and it's going to be a fucking five yard penalty uh, for a first down anyway. So he did that three or four times. It's pretty magical. They didn't jump a whole lot on the hard count that he does. It's pretty obvious, but I'm sure, you know, once later in the season and, and tensions start getting higher and guys start getting a little more fired up, um, guys will be uh, jumping on that um, more often than, than we saw uh, last night. But yeah, I usually fucking, you know, give Rodgers a lot of shit and he fucking laid an egg last week. And I still don't think that's acceptable even coming out and, and having the game he did last night. I think it's still a joke that he did that the first night. And I don't think that is going to be the last game that we see Aaron Rodgers roll over like that. But that was a good game for him last night. Um, I'll, I'll own up to that. I'm not, I'm not that big of a one-sided bias that I can't own up to that but uh yeah two and one primetime games sunday and monday uh the sunday night game ravens chiefs uh, i wasn't really liking the spread I, I wasn't confident on who i thought was going to win but i figured there was going to be a lot of points after watching Derek Carr shred the ravens defense and then watching um who the fuck did the chiefs play oh cleveland browns and baker mayfield just chugging down the field against the Kansas City defense. So uh, over under was 53 and a half. I took uh, over that and that hit. And then the minus 11 last night, that hit, even though the Lions had a couple of close calls. And thank God Jared Goff threw a couple of picks there. That was nice to see. But uh, I'm going to start posting all my primetime NFL game picks, like the Monday, Sunday, and Thursday night games. Um, so looking forward to next week, or this week, I guess, fucking Panthers, uh, Texans, Panthers minus seven and a half. I'm not really liking that line whatsoever either. Uh, I think I'm just going to wait for some player props to come out and take like Sam Darnold over, and a, over one and a half interceptions or something. And that's probably should hit because that Panthers defense is looking elite. And while we're still talking about uh, the spirit of sports betting a little bit here, um, I'm also proud to announce that I have officially faded the United States in the Ryder Cup. 
I have put money on the Europeans or the world players or whatever they call them. I think it's, I have no idea. I'm not even going to speculate. Um, I'm just not liking what I've been hearing from Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeSembo in terms of, you know, Ryder Cup preparation and mental state at the Ryder Cup uh, for two of their, like, supposed to be, like, marquee guys, top 10 in the world guys. Um, I just don't like it. Bryson DeChambeau, on one hand, he is preparing for the fucking World Long Drive competition, which is the week after the Ryder Cup. He's, he's hitting millions of balls, millions of drives as hard as he can. Um, how is that going to... I don't know if he does that all the time. I'm sure I have no idea. I'm not going to speculate on that either, but he just is swinging a million balls. He even said it to the media uh, earlier in the week that he's got blisters all over his hands from hitting so many balls preparing preparing for the world long drive. Like, uh, Bryson, you, you got the Ryder Cup coming up, bud. It's not the fucking world long drive championship, okay? This is the Ryder Cup, okay? If you don't want to prepare for the Ryder Cup, then just don't come to the freaking Ryder Cup. Sounds like you just want to rest for a weekend and swing a million more balls and hit a million more balls before the Ryder Cup uh, to get ready for the World Long Drive. And then you got Brooks, who is the cover of some magazine doing some in- in exclusive interview, starts babbling on about how he doesn't like the Ryder Cup and he doesn't like the team atmosphere and he hates how you don't do everything on your own because it's the opposite of uh, what a major is like. It's like, Brooks, this is not a major, buddy. It's not you out there. It's your fucking team, all right? It's your team. It's not all about you, Brooks, just for one weekend. And you can't handle it just for one weekend that it's not all about you. Sick, dude. Sick, dude. Sound like a sick fucking guy. You know what? I don't like Brooks Kepler either. I've made it be known on this podcast that I don't like Bryson DeChambeau, but I don't like Brooks Koepka either. I think he's a douche, and I hate his quotes all the time. Every time I see read a quote of his, I'm just like, wow, that was dust. So let it be known. Hildy's Hot Takes doesn't like Bryson or Brooks, so it doesn't matter. But anyway, those guys just aren't giving me the right vibe to bet on them, and I know that the United States is right south of the border, but there are neighbors to the south, but they basically prop up our economy. But no, I I have no fucking clue about that either. (laughs) It was just a joke. But uh, yeah, they got to figure it out. So for that reason and that reason only, and you got Ryder Cup captains from the past talking on social media about how they should relinquish their spots to guys that really want to be there. And it's just a bit of a shitstorm and a lot of freaking unneeded attention and, you know, hype up. I'm just not liking the vibe. So I'm officially riding the European uh, Ryder Cup. Sorry, American friends, but um, you left me no choice with the antics off the, off the course there um, from Brooks and Bryson. So anyway, (laughs) like I said, from the start, uh, I did a podcast before this one, like a full 90, like I'm right to this point and my computer died and I lost the audio. So I restarted and now this is the podcast. I'm going to be honest. I'm a hell of a lot more pumped about this version than I was about the last one. Uh, I went a little off script and just right off the tongue for this one. And I think it went a lot smoother. 
Uh, like always, let me know what you think. Give me a text. Give me a call. Fucking shout at me. Carrier pigeon, whatever you want to do. But I uh, thank you, each and every one of you, for listening. Uh, I love the feedback whenever you guys text me. Uh, it's great. You know, I keep this train going here. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.